The Tate brothers have been released from house arrest, and I have plenty to say about that, especially because since sitting down with him for three hours in Bucharest last week, people have accused me of aiding and abetting a human sex trafficker. Candace, how dare you speak to him? He's not a conservative. He's not a Christian. Well, today I'm going to offer you the most thorough accounting of the exact charges that face the Tate brothers and my belief of why they are going to beat these charges. So stick around, you guys. All that coming up on Candace Owens. So it's true. Andrew Tate and Tristan Tate were today released on appeal from house arrest. Now, to be clear, they still have to face the charges that are against them, but they are no longer being restricted to just their home in Romania. So, of course, you'll remember at first they were held in a small cell for 90 days with no charges against them. Then they were released into house arrest. And as time was about to expire, there were charges that were drummed up against the Tate brothers. And obviously, this set the world on fire. People began paying attention to this case, me among them, for a lot of reasons. First and foremost, far be it people's concern that conservatives in America are giving Andrew Tate a platform. No, Andrew Tate built his own platform. Andrew Tate, in 2022, was the eighth most Googled person in the world behind people like Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, obviously, because of their global case. So I took an interest in this case for two reasons. A, because he has a global following. Tens and millions of young men follow him around the world. Adult men follow him around the world. And because people were screaming that there was a potential that he was innocent. Andrew himself said, the Matrix is coming out against me. They want to take me down because I have a big following. Of course, that's compelling. That's just an interesting statement to come from somebody, not one that I necessarily believed. And I can tell you that after looking into this case, because I don't scare easily, I'm not a person that just does what I'm supposed to do because I'm a conservative in America. Well, all the conservatives say he's a bad guy, so that means that he should just go to prison and throw away the key. No, that's not what it means. Even bad people, if your judgment is that Andrew Tate said horrible, terrible things in the past that were vulgar, and by the way, I would agree with that assessment. I am not comfortable when I see the things that Andrew Tate said 10 years ago. But even if that is your assessment, you cannot then use that to condemn him for the charges that are being drummed up against him in Romania. Now, there's a reason why I'm saying these charges are being drummed up against him in Romania. I'm going to walk you through them slowly after first issuing you my own verdict in this case. I believe that Andrew Tate is going to be found not guilty of all charges. After looking through this case and seeing the players that are involved and seeing how the Romanian government went about this case, I also want to say that I think the Romanian government did everything right. I also believe that the United States Embassy did everything right. I think that the reason for this case boils down to one 21-year-old girl making an allegation that, of course, had to be taken very seriously. And I'm going to unpack that slowly for you guys starting right now. So what do you need to know about the Andrew Tate case? If you're online, you don't know. I, I'm watching clips of him from 10 years ago saying bad stuff, so it must be true. No, that's ridiculous. That's what you call trying, attempting to rather to try a case in the media rather than examining the actual facts and how we got here. You're seeing all these clips put together because people don't want to tell you what's actually in the files and how they actually arrived at this case in the first place. So let's instead begin with 
what Andrew Tate had to say upon being released from house arrest earlier this morning. Take a listen. In January, when I was thrown into a jail cell, the media reported and told the world that I was a terrible person. They said that I hurt people and I make a lot of money from criminal enterprise. And here we stand seven or eight months later and I've not seen a single victim on the news. I don't know if you have. I've seen lots of girls sticking up for me, lots of people defending me. I've not seen a single person stand up and say that I have hurt them. Not one. I've done nothing wrong. God knows I've done nothing wrong in my heart. I know I've done nothing wrong. I think the people at home who with a functioning brain understand we've done nothing wrong because nobody has yet to identify a single victim which is, done, which is saying that we've done anything to them since the beginning of this entire process. Once again, absolute respect to the judge, respect to Romania, respect to the Romanian judicial system. I look forward to being completely exonerated in due time. Thank you. So according to Andrew, he is not guilty. That's not really a surprise, and that doesn't necessarily make him not guilty. So it's more important for us to examine the facts of this situation, not the emotions, not how conservatives in America are feeling about Andrew Tate and his influence on young men, the actual facts. And this story begins back in April of last year, when Andrew and Tristan Tate's home in Romania was raided amid allegations regarding a missing American woman. At the time, a Romanian news site called Gondol reported that the American embassy had contacted local police with a report that a 21-year-old American woman named Emma Gabby was being held captive at an address in Voluntari. Okay, that's very interesting. So that begs the question, who is Emma Gabby? Okay, the charges have shifted. There's many names in this document, but it all begins with Emma Gas with Emma Gabby and these charges that she was being held against her will by the Tate brothers, which is horrific, by the way. Now, it makes sense. If the U.S. embassy got contacted and they then contacted Romanian authorities, you can see why this was a very big case, which is why I believe the U.S. embassy did nothing wrong here, nor do I believe that the Romanian authorities necessarily did anything wrong. Could you imagine being Romanian authorities? Big bad America is on the line, and we're telling you that there is an American victim that is being held captive against her will by somebody that is living in Bucharest, Romania. Yeah, that's kind of a big deal. So who is Emma Gabby? First, I'll tell you who she is according to the Tate brothers who is suing her in Palm Beach County, Florida. According to them, again, if you want to take their word for it, Emma Gabby is a predator who has a long history of baiting men into sexual relationships for the specific purpose of destroying their lives. She has a chain of victims going back several years to when she was a, min a minor. Her modus operandi is as follows. She devises sophisticated narratives to elicit compassion and sexual attraction from unsuspecting men. She uses these men as hosts, taking what she wants for personal, emotional, and economic gain. At some point, she begins to exert control through intentional infliction of emotional distress, causing injury to the host. If her efforts to control do not produce an immediate return on her investment, she revokes consent for prior sexual acts and threatens to have her host arrested for rape unless her demands are met. She is a serial extortionist and blackmailer who preys on successful men. On multiple occasions, she has accused innocent men of horrific crimes, resulting in their unjust incarceration and damage to their professional and business reputations. Andrew and Tristan Tate are the latest victims in her trail of terror and destruction that has negatively affected the lives of dozens of men and women all with disastrous consequences. Okay, so that is very interesting. It's not often that you hear something like that regarding a woman, 
the era of Me Too in America is men, and we got all these allegations and against men, and women step up and they say, I was sexually assaulted, and he's a serial rapist, and things of that nature. But here what they're essentially saying is that you have a woman who is doing this to men, who is extorting them for money, who is using them, and who is putting them in compromising positions. So I thought, this is an easy thing for me to actually research, to really get behind whether or not this is all nonsense, whether or not the Tate brothers are calling this the Matrix, and when in fact they actually have a real victim here who suffered. A victim who I want to say, I welcome, welcome, Emma Gabby, if you hear this, and I know that you have a lawyer, if you would like to sit on this show and detail what happened to you, I will give you a platform, and I mean that, okay? So I looked into Emma Gabby. I was wondering who she was, and here are some facts that you should know. Before she ever met a Tate brother, Emma Gabby was a sex worker. She had her own Pornhub account, and she could be contacted via a sex hotline. Again, that is before she ever met a Tate brother. She also had an OnlyFans account and a TikTok account before she ever met a Tate brother. She also was active on the website SeekingArrangements.com, which if you guys are not familiar with SeekingArrangements.com, it's essentially a sugar baby website. So it's young girls, they go on the website, they look for men that are rich and have money. And the concept really, even though it's not explicitly stated on the website, we know what goes on obviously in those exchanges. Maybe the, the sugar daddy will pay for their rent, pay for their lifestyle, and exchange obviously we assume that on the back end, they are having sexual relations. So these are just the facts that I'm giving you about her. It's not to paint her in a derogatory way. It is just pertinent to know that because there are many people that are walking around assuming that this was some innocent person that was trafficked over to Romania and then was forced to work against their will in the pornographic industry for which they had knew nothing about. That is not the circumstance. It is relevant to this case to discuss her history before she ever met a Tate brother. But I mean, you dig further... She's actually been involved in other cases as well. The first case involves a man who I am not going to name, and the only reason I'm not going to name him is because at the time of the allegations against him, Emma was, in fact, a minor, and that, of course, is relevant. So we just want to be ethical here and not expose his name so that people can look up the case because, as I said, she was underage at the time. Uh, Essentially, it was believed that she was having sexual relations with him, and the courts found that to be true, and he is now been sentenced to 24 years in prison. Why is that relevant? Because since then, people are alleging, which you're going to get to, that she lied about her age and that she lies about her age repeatedly. And though, despite the fact that he is perhaps not a moral man, he did fall victim to her lying. Throughout this episode, by the way, you're going to hear some beeps when I'm discussing this case. If I accidentally say his name, we intend to just beep it out. Again, just to protect the fact that she was, in fact, a minor at the time of these accusations. There were two girls that were involved in that case, just to be clear, and one of the girls admitted flat out to having an outright sexual relationship with him, including sexual intercourse. Now let's talk about Marlon Fisher. Who is he? He is a man that is currently suing Emma Gabby in the Florida courts. He says that she deployed a combination of sophisticated false narratives, fraudulent identification cards, and emotional outbursts to lure him into her trap. For example, she would detail to her techniques in written text sent to people that she misled about Fisher. She would explain how she would devise a sympathetic backstory, being an orphaned child without a loving household, which made it extremely difficult to form meaningful, healthy relationships with other people, including her adoptive parents. 
So this is a text message that Marlon Fisher is alleging that Emma Gabby sent to people regarding him. Now, to be clear, before I read this text message, I am about to reach you a lot of text messages that apparently came from Emma Gabby and other people throughout this episode. As a general disclaimer, these Text messages are a part of cases that are pending and have been submitted to the courts. Um, They have signed affidavits swearing that these are true. I independently, of course, have no means to individually authenticate these messages and to say to you that these are definitely real and I'm holding the phone. So you are going to have to trust the people that are submitting them are not risking getting into trouble by swearing in statements that they are true. So going back to this text message, the first one reads from Emma Gabby, again, out to all of her friends. I need to open up and tell you all something because I owe it to you, the people I care about. You have each moved me so much in my life that I am able to do it. I have a problem. I am a pathological liar. My life started in Kazakhstan where I grew up in a loveless orphanage. We were picked up facing away from the caretakers, so we never developed love. I never learned how to hug, smile, kiss, touch, or be close to anybody. I was adopted by incredible people named Mona and Bill who saved me from a life of abuse. I had a beautiful childhood because of them. When I was 11 or 12, I began to dissociate and resent them. I felt unwanted and like I had no family, so I began to rebel, doing drugs and meeting lots of different people. It goes on to state that as she would deepen her manipulation like a drug addict, she would seek out and desire more potent forms of sexual exploitation to satisfy a seemingly insatiable emotional void within her. She would pursue men, like Fisher, who she never developed any sort of real emotional loving attachment with and demand that Fisher perform abusive, masochistic sexual conduct on her in the bedroom. These, again, are alleged text messages from Emma Gabby to Marlon Fisher, who is pursuing her in court, so he has filed these. She wrote, My... C word is craving abuse. I wish you were here to bite me. I wish I was gagged and tied up like an F slut right now. Maybe you can leave pretty little bruises on me. I love it when you gag me. Would a butt plug go off through a metal detector? And to give context to that message, the context that was provided by Marlon Fisher, she was asking Marlon Fisher if wearing her butt plug would set off the courthouse metal detector when she needed to go through in order to meet with the district attorney who was prosecuting the person that I just told you about, which is why it is relevant. Again, this is, this is being told by Marlon Fisher, so I can only say allegedly these are her actual text messages. Now, Marlon Fisher began to suspect that she was lying about her age. Now, I remember is serving a prison prison sentence. His life has pretty much been destroyed here. Um, But the pattern of behavior, again, this is coming from Marlon Fisher, that was used on him, represents the same pattern of behavior that she used against her other victims. Uh, They believe, the Tate brothers believe, that that was induced into an illicit sexual relationship with a minor under false pretenses. According to Marlon Fisher, performed deviant sexual acts in the bedroom, such as urinating on her during intercourse. On multiple occasions, Gabby attempts to force Marlon Fisher out of his sexual comfort zone, asking Marlon Fisher to choke her harder during intercourse and demanding that Marlon Fisher perform BDSM and other sexually masochistic acts. 
At some point, Marlon Fisher learns that Emma Gabby is a minor when she had a sexual relationship with and that she apparently lied to him when they first met and that was going to do serious time because of it. So again, just to understand, she's got this trial going on with She is now with Marlon Fisher and he begins to suspect that she lied about her age. Fisher came to understand that was sentenced to was going to be sentenced to decades of incarceration because of her accusations, and he knew that she had lied about her age before their first sexual encounter. Marlon Fisher also knew that if Emma Gabby would have offered that information to the court, the fact that she lied about her age, then sentence would likely have been substantially lessened away from the decades-long sentence that he is now serving in prison. Marlon Fisher confronted Emma Gabby during situation. And this is the following exchange that took place between Emma Gabby and during a text message conversation where Emma Gabby refuses to disclose her real age because doing so would negatively affect her credibility in her impending case against Emma Gabby writes, okay, Marlon, if you're looking for me to publicly tell my actual age and name today or before my case is over, this is referring to her case against I'll sadly have to inform you that I won't. If that is what it takes to prove myself to you, I won't be able to. After being confronted, Emma Gabby then employs a psychological attack known as gaslighting to tactically avoid answering Marlon Fisher's questions regarding her age. In gaslighting, Gabby accuses Marlon Fisher of attempting to blackmail her, which is precisely what Emma Gabby is actually doing to Marlon Fisher. She then casts herself as the victim, arguing that in exposing the truth, Marlon Fisher had betrayed and abandoned her, which in turn, in her view, gave her license to extort Marlon Fisher. These are, again, text messages between Emma Gabby and Marlon Fisher. Emma Gabby writes, if you chose to blackmail me, I would have no choice except to be honest with the world about what what you've done to me. Why? And you would have to suffer repercussions of the truth among several men that are attributing to my problems and behavior of whom I also have evidence for. Fisher writes back to her, I hear your points and I'm not manipulating you to do anything. You could do something to prevent me if this were blackmail. There was nothing you can do. I hoped you wouldn't be shallow and selfish. I hoped you would show me that you care. You show me that you don't care at all. Emma writes to him, you blackmail, betrayed my trust and abandoned me. Emma writes, thanks for abandoning me. So in another conversation, it goes forward and he is still trying to get her to come clean about the fact that she lied about her age regarding the situation. Now, there's no relationship between and Marlon Fisher. He's just doing this because obviously he thinks that it's wrong that this man is about to go to jail for decades based on somebody that was not honest about her age. But on her way to meet with the prosecutor in the trial, which is shocking, somehow she is able to combine his suffering suffering with sexual gratification. This is demonstrated by a conversation where Gabby inquires with Marlon Fisher about whether or not her butt plug will set off the metal detector in the courthouse. She writes this, would a butt plug go off through a metal detector? How does this end? Well, it ends with Emma Gabby filing 
documents against Marlon Fisher. On September 16, 2019, she walked into Palm Beach County Courthouse and filed a temporary injunction for protection against domestic abuse against Marlon Fisher under what he claims are false pretenses. He says that she asked him to go to a concert with her. He declined to. She got angry. She filed a restraining order under oath in Florida State Court where she accused Marlon Fisher of severely abusing her. Marlon Fisher, distraught, did not know what to do. Now, just as a reminder, they've engaged in BDSM, according to him. Uh, she wants to engage in BDSM, and so now she is claiming that she has been abused. So you can imagine this obviously presents some suffering. He says that she had already been threatening to turn him in for statutory rape. So in an act of desperation under duress, Mark, I mean, Marlon Fisher accepted the false allegations of the restraining order to avoid a potential statutory rape charge. This Later on, Ali ad, I mean, uh, Emma admits via text with Mark Fisher that she didn't really want the charges against him to be that strong. Mark writes to her, the things I remember being on it, this is obviously the protection order, was that I was a heavy user of illicit drugs, would beat you when you tried to leave, restrained you from leaving or calling the cops, often left you on the side of the highway if you said anything to upset me, that I had been stalking you and showing up places that I knew that you would be after you ended things. So in this text correspondence, once again, and this is going to become relevant later when we get to the Tate Brothers case, is that she's, she's claimed that she's been restrained from leaving, that she's not allowed to leave this guy, Marlon Fisher. She responds to him by saying, that's so effed up that I wrote that. I'm going to clear this up. Not to defend any of this, but to clarify, I promise, I never said that you were a user of drugs. He then says, you weren't the one writing it. She says back, the things I, I think she meant to say wrote, were definitely reworded and exaggerated. They asked me of events and then they rewarded my words in the official injunction document. I was brought in to speak to two lawyers, the legal aide who had just finished law school that was defending me and her colleague who was training her. I'm incredibly sorry that what I said encapsulated a completely false narrative, especially that paints you as a terrible person because you aren't. You never deserve to be treated that way. Nobody does. None of it was okay. Absolutely none of it. If there is anything you can think of that I can do to prove that I understand that and truly am repentant, question mark. Okay. So let's move on. That's, that's, that is the person number two that she has had a relationship with. Now, again, I'm just giving you the facts of the case. You can look these cases up yourself. They are public. And again, I told you that is playing out in Palm Beach. The next case, and I want to be clear here, I have seen people online circulating saying that this woman, um, that Emma Gabby caused a man to commit suicide. I want to say that that is something that is an allegation that I would not stand by. I think it's completely circumstantial. Obviously, this young man, Dustin Milner, is dead, so there is no way to confirm that. But I'm adding this to his list because his brother is willing to testify in the Andrew Tate case that is pending against Emma in Palm Beach. Dustin Milner's story is arguably the most heartbreaking of all. Interviews with family and friends strongly suggest that the proximate cause of Milner's tragic suicide was his relationship with Emma Gabby, who targeted, abused, devalued, and manipulated Dustin Milner to the point where he took his own life. Our two strongest sources of intelligence regarding this tragedy are Dustin Milner's brother, Jason Milner, and Dustin Milner's close friend, Adam Heinrich. 
It basically goes on to say that, uh, you know, Dustin Milner had already had depression issues before he ever met her and that their relationship didn't help uh, the situation. And he eventually killed himself. She was kind of in and out of his house. He was madly in love with her, fell for her in a very short period of time, even though she never actually moved in with him, but would spend large amounts of small amounts of time at his home only to then disappear and then reappear at a future point. According to his best friend, her behavior made Dustin angry and depressed and exasperated his already depressive condition. He also stated that Gabby was the very last person to see Dustin before he committed suicide. So they feel that their relationship led to a suicide. But again, that's circumstantial. There is no evidence here that could back this up. She didn't tell him to kill himself. And so I just want to make it clear that in digging into this, I didn't feel comfortable suggesting that she made him commit suicide. But that is something that you're seeing circulating online. So I just wanted to clear that portion of the conversation up. Moving on to a young man named Tyler Hensel, who believes that he was fraudulently also induced um, and into a sexual relationship with Emma Gabby and that he was also extorted. Tyler Hensel was another boyfriend. A summary of his statements is as follows. Emma Gabby led him to believe that she was 26 years old when she was really 17 at the time. I'll just pause there and say, how many times and how many men can say that they're being lied to about somebody's age before we believe them? I don't, I'm just asking the question. It's, it's just... I know I've never been accused of lying to men about my age, but I'm just noticing that this there is a pattern. And it's important to note that these men did not know each other when all of these things are going on. So, yes, she led him to believe that she was 26 years old when in reality she was just 17 at the time in order to induce Hensel into an illicit sexual relationship. Again, this is according to Tyler Hensel. Hensel, who was 35 when he had intercourse with her, was thus deceived into believing that he was having illicit relationship, thereby demonstrating another instance where Emma Gabby induced a man into having unlawful sex while still underage. Emma Gabby repeated, repeated her psychologically abusive playbook on Hensel. She targeted and manipulated Hensel, a recovering drug addict and therefore a particularly vulnerable man. She played up her own perceived vulnerability to buy Hensel's sympathy, fabricating a story about her parents being drug addicts. Hensel is a well-intentioned man. He travels the world helping others with opioid addictions find organic treatments. He was therefore the perfect host to believe her lies, which he found convincing and felt sympathy towards her, given the emotional backstory she told him that included a history of drug abuse, which she could readily relate to. Upon inducing him into sex, she doubled down on her masochistic tendencies, indicating to Hensel, like to Martin Fisher before him, that she was into BDSM and insisted on calling him daddy in the bedroom. At one point when the two of them were alone, Gabby even jumped on top of Tyler Hensel initiating sexual contact. Hensel, who was not into this kind of degrading behavior, often rejected her demands for more aggressive sexual contact conduct. Eventually, upon discovering that she had communicated a different age to someone else, Hensel started questioning her about her age, which got her to confess to him that she was actually only 19 years old. After discovering these revelatory facts about Emma Gabby's life, he cut off all ties with her. He told her that he did not want to speak with her anymore, and he blocked her on every social media platform. Now, again, this person, she never ended up filing anything against. He essentially figured out how old she was, blocked her, got out, and is offering this account to people that are investigating her. Then we have 
the defamation of Joel Friedman. That she defamed a man named Joel Friedman. And this is an actual text message. How do we know about this defamation against Joel Friedman? Because she wrote it in a text message to Marlon Fisher. As a reminder, Marlon Fisher is the one that is pursuing her in Palm Beach court and providing text messages that he shared with her. She falsely accused Friedman of rape by telling Marlon that she was raped by Friedman. This is the text message exchange between Marlon and Gabby. Gabby writes, can I message Joel to tell him that I have a boyfriend? Marlon Fisher says, as you clearly understand, nobody cares that you have a boyfriend, but if you'd like to tell him that he raped you, by all means. Emma says, I'd like to not put our relationship at risk. I'll gladly tell him when I'm 18 and anybody else that happened with. So sweet you are. You're breaking up with me because I don't want to tell Joel that he raped me. One, I don't know if he would tell other people that I'm underage or, or who he would tell. And if they know that I'm dating you, what happens then? Two, it'd be awkward to go to a drum circle again, LOL. Marlon Fisher ended up actually confronting Friedman. You imagine your girlfriend tells you that she was raped by some other man. You're going to go defend her, obviously. And he's basically saying to her, you better go say something to him about the fact that he raped you. He needs to know that he raped you. And she's kind of coming up with the reason. Oh, no, I don't want to say anything. Oh, and he'll know that I'm underage, blah, 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 blah. This might impact us. Well, eventually, Marlon Fisher confronts Friedman over the rape allegation. Friedman reports to be an innocent man, of course, denied those allegations. He stated that he came to know Emma Gabby in or around 2018 by meeting her at a drum circle evening in Delray Beach. He knew her by the name of Eden, but only recently found out that her name was Emma. He recalled that Emma Gabby specifically told him that her name was Eden. Friedman stated that they had a dating type relationship, but were never intimate and shared the passion of music together. Gabby informed Friedman that she lived with a man named... At some point, she told Freeman that she was being abused by a man, but Freeman never saw any signs of abuse. At another point, Gabby began telling people that Freeman was her brother, which made him uncomfortable. Finally, Freeman learned that Gabby had accused him of rape after he was confronted by Marlon Fisher. Regarding the false allegation of rape against him, Freeman stated this, This allegation of rape is an outrageous and blatant lie. I have never had an intimate relationship with Emma Gabby and never forced myself on her. I give this affidavit to... Get my side of the story out. As I understand, Emma Gabby was making defamatory statements to other people about me. So that's really interesting. You see a person who has a pattern, these men that are coming out and making statements via um, an affidavit that about their relationship with her, about how she lied, about how she manipulated. But this pattern of speaking to one man about the last man and claiming that she's in a compromising situation is what these men are saying. That is something that is interesting. She comes and she says that she's in a compromising situation and the other person's here to rescue her. She's telling Marlon that Tyler Hensel raped her. Uh, she's talking to this person. She's talking to uh, Friedman and saying, oh, this other guy that I'm dealing with is, is raping me or I'm in a, in a compromising situation. This is her pattern of behavior before she ever meets a single Tate brother. Again, you can pursue these online. You can read these statement affidavits yourself. We are days away from the Durban Accords, the greatest threat to the U.S. dollar's global dominance in the past 80 years. On August 22nd, BRICS nations, that's Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, are expected to announce the launch of a new international super currency fully backed by gold or other commodities. This is part of their long-term plan to supplant the U.S. and the dollar as a cornerstone to the global financial system. You can protect your IRA or your 401k from the fallout from this landmark announcement by diversifying with gold from Birch Gold. 
Historically, gold has been a safe haven in times of high uncertainty, which is right now. When currencies fail, gold is a safe haven. How much more times dollar have, we don't know. Protect your savings with gold. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers. So text Candice to 989898 and get your free information kit on gold. If a central bank digital currency becomes a reality, it will be nice to have some gold to depend on. Again, text Candice to 989898. Um, but I want to now jump into why this is all relevant as it relates to the case against the Tate brothers, the case that we're not supposed to talk about because as conservatives, we think that he's had an immoral life and he ran a webcam business. So who cares if he goes to prison for something that he didn't do? Well, I care. I care about this case because even if you are not a Christian, even if you are not a conservative, you do not deserve to spend sentences in prison for crimes that you may have not committed. That is why I care about this case. So let's talk about the Tate brothers and how Emma met them. First and foremost, just of curious consideration, this is a text conversation between Emma and her mother, Mona, which took place on November 18th, 2021. Emma wrote to her mom, I also have an amazing friend, Tristan, that's coming here from Romania to host a big business conference. Him and his brothers are world kickboxing champions. They're originally from England. His business conference will go for two weeks. He's having a big charity gala there and invited me as his date. He's very nice, respectful, and all around a true gentleman. He has beautiful homes in Bucharest, Romania, Miami, and Monaco. He's building a castle close to Dracula's old castle. I've been planning to go to the UK. Tristan wants to show me all over Romania. So how did Tristan Tate come across Emma Gabby? Emma Gabby, he met her on a dating application, Hinge. You guys are familiar with that. He found her interesting, and he did, in fact, invite her to a Tate-affiliated war room event that took place in Miami during December of 2021. At some point, he invited Gabby to join him and his friends at an after-party event. Over the course of the next two weeks, Tristan and Gabby spent a good deal of time together. They frequently conversed and soon became romantically intimate. Tristan resided at a Miami property with a group of male and female friends during his visit and invited her to the property at which he was staying. She visited the property on multiple occasions during the approximate two weeks that Tristan was in Miami and during this two-week period, they engaged in consensual intercourse multiple times. On multiple occasions, he invited her back to the property and each time that she was invited, she accepted those invitations. They continued to have intercourse up until the time that he departed Miami in December of 2021. She initially told Tristan, again, this is a short, according to Tristan, that she came from a wealthy family, but she didn't give many specific details about her family life. Over the course of numerous conversations, she explained that she was interested in growing and monetizing her pre-existing online presence on social media websites such as OnlyFans and TikTok. He had the impression that she was a relaxed woman who was looking to further her online presence through various social media websites. And at some point, Gabby and Tate began talking about Gabby coming to Romania. After his departure to Romania, Gabby and Tate followed up intermittently with each other between December 2021 and April of 2022 via text message and WhatsApp messaging. As time went on, Emma Gabby's messages to Tristan became more frequent and more adamant about relocating to Romania for work. The nature of the conversations primarily centered on business and specifically creative ways that she might get involved in Romania's hugely profitable e-modeling industry. 
Although Tristan had minimal involvement, business, personal, or otherwise, in the Romanian e-modeling industry, Tristan was under the impression, based on what she had previously told him, that she wanted to leave the United States for a variety of reasons. Tristan knew about Romania's burgeoning modeling business and thought Romania might be a perfect alignment with her current work as a TikTok and OnlyFans model and her professed long-term careers. Now, I'm assuming that Tristan is going to have messages that show this, but it is, again, relevant that she already was on TikTok and OnlyFans uh, when she began speaking to him about wanting her career to become bigger. During those interactions, Emma Gabby also gave the appearance that she was hoping to continue her sexual rendezvous with Tristan in Romania. Tristan, by contrast, remained aloof and for the most part did not reciprocate her romantic advances. In fact, on several occasions, he did just the opposite and questioned her motives by asking her, do you really want to leave the USA? Tate believed that she already lived quite well in Florida since he was under the impression that she came from a wealthy family. He therefore made efforts to ground her dreams about Romania into realistic expectations. Like obviously, if you're from Delray Beach and Palm Beach moving to Romania, it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment for you. After getting assurances that she was serious about relocating to Romania, Tate eventually welcomed the idea of the rendezvous with Emma in Romania, and in the spirit of fun and adventure, gave Emma Gabby his credit card information to book a flight. She booked a business class ticket valued at approximately $4,000 from Palm Beach International Airport to Bucharest. On Wednesday, he picked her up from the airport. Thereafter, the two of them went to lunch. At first impression, he felt that Emma behaved differently from how he remembered her back in Miami. She seemed aloof and distant, which he found rather striking, considering how warm and friendly he had remembered her during the time that they spent together in Florida. When Emma arrived at the Tate Brothers remaining in the state, she provided the security detail with her ID details, and they granted her access to enter and leave the property whenever she wanted. Emma Gabby was in possession of her passport at all times. Emma Gabby was in Romania for a total of six days. Six days. She freely moved back and forth over that time span between the Tate Brothers' property and the home of Yasmina Penkov, a friend of the Tate Brothers, with whom Emma Gabby resided with during parts of her visitation. Emma Gabby stayed with Tristan Tate at his Romanian estate for the first two days, during which time Emma Gabby and Tristan Tate discussed permanent living arrangements. On the first night, Emma Gabby and Tristan Tate engaged in consensual intercourse. After the second day, on Friday, April 7th, Emma Gabby relocated to another home, as agreed, located approximately one kilometer from the Tate estate. At no time while Emma Gabby was living at the second location were her movements restricted or was she, combined in, was she confined in any way. The second home, unlike the Tate Brothers estate, was not guarded by security. Emma Gabby was free to enter and leave the home as she pleased, a fact that is corroborated by release surveillance footage now widely available online, depicting Emma Gabby freely moving back and forth from home to home without issue. Now, I'll tell you why this is relevant. Obviously, because I just went to Bucharest, Romania, and every piece of the Tate property is covered in surveillance cameras, barring the bathrooms. And what was intimated to me from Andrew and Tristan was that they offered all of this surveillance video to the prosecutors. Examine it. If anybody was held or locked down, you would be able to find this, and that they declined to go through it. So some of the surveillance footage has been released to the public, and you can see this individual moving freely on the property and freely off of the property. But we're going to get into her text messages, which are really telling. Right now, we're just getting into what the Tate brothers say they have proof of what happened leading up to this moment. 
In addition, at all times, Gabby was in possession of her phone and was able to speak freely without restriction. That part is going to be proven by the fact that we have text messages between her and her mother and her and her friend at that time. Again, the allegations here initially that he had locked them down, that they couldn't get out. According to sworn testimony of um, Penkov, Emma Gabby frequently communicated by cell phone through both calls and texts with her parents during her six-day visitation. Emma Gabby communicated with other friends and acquaintances located overseas by phone during her visitation as well. That is also going to be proven when we get to how the U.S. Embassy was contacted. At all times in which Emma Gabby was located in Romania, she was not restrained in her movement, never confined, never controlled by any person, nor was she threatened in any manner and always had free will. At no time did Tristan Tate, Andrew Tate, or anyone affiliated with the Tate brothers restrict Emma Gabby's mobility during her visitation. In fact, there is video proof in CCTV footage of her leaving both houses to order pizza, visit the mall, and shop for various other reasons. For instance, in one CCTV video, Emma Gabby is happily and freely moving about the Tate estate. She appears to exit, go to and retrieve something from a vehicle, and then re-enter with a smile on her face. The truth is that during her six-day trip to Romania, she shopped, went sightseeing, was free to leave at any time, and even attended a birthday party. Upon information and belief, months in advance of her trip to Romania, to Romania Emma Gabby had been plotting to escape the United, States, the United States for Europe to pursue a lavish new life overseas. By the time she met Tristan Tate, she had become extremely disillusioned with her own life in the United States, the direct result of having ensnared herself in a series of poor decisions starting from a young age and refusing to deal with the consequences of her actions like a mature adult. Accordingly, for anyone, but particularly for a woman of her age, she had already amassed a ton of emotional, financial, and legal baggage, which I think we would all agree with that assessment on the basis of all of the cases that I just took you through. As discussed above, several of these men's lives were literally destroyed from Emma Gabby's diabolical exploits, one languages in prison, his entire life room with a with lengthy prison sentence. Another was driven to suicide. Again, I want to be clear, that is speculative. Dozens more remain emotionally and financially shattered. The idea, therefore, that she wanted to turn the page on her life and hit the proverbial reset button was self-explanatory. In a text message to her mother, dated November 18th, 2021, Emma Gabby describes Tristan Tate as a, quote, amazing friend who is coming here from Romania to host a big business conference. Her first impression and description of Tristan Tate reveals quite a lot about her intentions. She immediately hones in on his success as a European entrepreneur and by extension identified him as an ideal scapegoat to start life afresh in Europe. In subsequent messages with her mother, Emma Gabby repeatedly emphasizes the Tate brothers' European background, general worldliness, and success as businessmen as well as her own desire to visit the United Kingdom, which had long been a central part of her own long-term plans. In particular, Emma Gabby made a point of noting that the Tate Brothers, of the Tate Brothers' British roots, an added bonus that dovetailed nicely with her long-standing plans to visit and potentially start a fresh life in London. She wrote this to her mother. When we met, we opened up to each other about a lot. He likes to call me Emma, even though he knows everyone calls me Eden. Something he brought up recently is that he has been to... Almany many, many times and has very good friends there. And he wants to show me around the country and take me to the waterfalls and their cultural festivals and then to Europe. Her mother writes, awesome plans, makes me dream, but keep your feet well anchored to your grounds. She writes, either way, I've been planning to go to the UK. Tristan wants to show me all over Romania. 
After spending a few days at the Tate Estate in Bucharest, Gabby's unrealistic expectations about living a glamorous life in Europe were forced to come to terms with the mundane, day-to-day realities of successful businessmen. Although Tristan and Andrew offered Gabby free range of their home and many luxuries throughout the duration of her visit, the brothers themselves spent most of their days preoccupied with work rather than entertaining and spending time with guests. Gabby refused to adjust her expectations to meet the Tate brothers' work-focused lifestyle. She expected a European tour immediately and basically wanted to live and be treated like royalty. Her patients quickly wore thin. Gabby proceeded to survey the other females of the Tate brothers who visited their estate for potential accomplices. Although the overwhelming majority of female guests were quite happy with the lifestyle, Emma Gabby dialed in on one guest. A. Antila is what she's listed as who appeared similarly bored with the experience and, like Gabby, was looking for newfound excitement. Gabby conscripted Antilla using similar methods of manipulation to convince her to go along with Gabby's new scheme, which was to defraud the Tate brothers and ultimately accuse them of human trafficking and other grave crimes. Afterwards, being rescued by the United States Embassy and Romanian police for human trafficking— Gabby and Antilla would then travel together to the French Riviera in London to have a glamorous European experience that Gabby had always envisioned. So they're alleging that she basically, just to recap here, pause, she, at the Tate Brothers' house, again, we're going to learn that she's only there for a total of six days. She's getting bored. She realizes, oh, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. I thought Europe was going to be very glamorous. If you thought you were going to have a glamorous European experience, you probably wouldn't start with Bucharest, Romania. You probably would start with maybe Paris or maybe London. And she's starting to realize that these guys are working all day. I, this is not what I thought this was going to be. Oh, here's another girl who maybe thinks like me. Her name is A. Antilla. I'm going to just refer to her as Antilla going forward. And they have now a scheme that they're just going to defraud the Tate brothers. And then they're going to enjoy their glamorous European lifestyle. So the story goes on that Gabby and Antilla started off by using a private group chat to plot their conspiracy against the Tate brothers. Upon information and belief at the heart of the conspiracy was the motive to defraud Andrew to, to defraud Andrew Tate of 200,000 euros. On April 10th, 2022, Emma, Gabby, and Antilla initiated their plot to obtain money from Andrew but through false pretenses. Although they were ultimately unsuccessful, the following exchange provides insight into how Gabby and, and A. Antilla planned to defraud and extort Andrew of money and potentially other luxuries. Here is an actual chat between the two young women. Emma Gabby writes, I'm talking to my friend about it now, and she is saying that you should try to get money from Andrew. Where is your sister in London, babe? Antilla writes back, I'm not good at this, lol. I have never asked anyone for money. Emma writes to her, she's saying if you tell him that you have something important and you need money for, he will give it to you. Antilla writes back, okay, I will think about it, like what to say. The two women, Emma and Antilla, then go on to take matters to the next level and have the following conversation in text messages, and in pertinent part, in which they describe how they will employ matters of deception against the Tate brothers to carry out the criminal act. Emma writes, cover tracks, always. Your phone might be visible. Antilla writes, you are a good actress. Emma writes, I practice. Antilla writes, perfecto. For now, change my name in your phone. Gabby writes, okay, you too. Antilla writes, just play it cool. Gabby writes, got it. Antilla writes, like you don't know anything, just play dumb. Gabby writes, I'm going to pull some tears out. 
It is clear from the above exchange that neither Gabby nor Antilla believed they were victims. Rather, they simply did not want to be held responsible for attempting to defraud Andrew of money and devised a whole scheme under false pretenses to trick him. Further evidence of their plot is found in the fact that Gabby even goes so far as to laugh when Antilla speaks about playing the victim. Afterwards, Gabby and Antilla joke about contacting Netflix and other streaming services to recount their golden Oscar performances, which they apparently considered Hollywood-worthy. Here is another exchange that took place between the two girls via text message. Gabby writes, We are writing a movie ASAP. Antilla, yep, for sure. We have to. Gabby writes, I'm dying inside. Antilla writes, let's email Netflix. ASAP. Gabby writes back, Hulu, Amazon Prime. Antilla writes back, Yep. Now, when I read these text messages, just to take a pause here, it sounds like two young girls being idiots. And there's something about this that's so young. Oh, my God, we're so funny. Let's, it, it almost reminds me of when me and a girlfriend of mine and we were 16 would plot on how we were going to skip class. And if we got caught, what story we were going to tell. And we're texting and we're conspiring. Uh, that's, that's the feeling that I get when I read these text messages. It goes on to write that it is patently clear from the above exchange that neither Gabby nor Antilla believe that they were ever in any real danger, let alone in a situation even remotely close to human trafficking or being falsely imprisoned, which they would later allege. Indeed, the very opposite is true. Rather than being victims, Gabby and Antilla are in fact perpetrators of a crime of moral turpitude to commit fraud against the Tate brothers. I do want to pause here and also say that it really does seem that Emma, Gabby, in these text messages, if they are proven to be real, um, she's very much the ringleader here. She's kind of pressured her. She's the one that's bored. She's like, hey, let's do something here. Let's, what, what could we possibly do? And then you're going to see that accidentally this gets taken to a new level. Next, Gabby took the conspiracy to an entirely new level by sending distressing messages to an American-based man named Matthew Martelli, either a former or a current lover. So she's doing once again, we've seen this pattern. She's with another person, like she's got somebody else. So she's got this guy, Matthew Martelli, that she's messaging. And what she does is she starts problematizing another guy, right? So she's like, I'm going to message you about this guy and I'm in a bad situation. We've heard multiple men that are alleging that she's done this before, right? This is not the first time that somebody has charged that she's done this. Well, Matthew Martelli um, starts receiving messages from her. She publishes in a text message to Martelli that both she and Antilla were being, quote unquote, human trafficked. This is the first time that we are hearing this to this term. She's been human trafficked. Again, she was here in Romania for a total of six days. The end goal, of course, remained always the same, to scapegoat the Tate brothers pursuant to the pleasures that she derived from manipulating and extorting successful paramours and upon incriminating them, thereafter enjoying a luxury European vacation in London and the French Riviera. On April 11, 2022, just one day after conspiring with Antilla to defraud Andrew Tate of money, Gabby communicates to Martelli via text message that she's, quote, leaving to go to London on the 12th, and that she had, quote, already bought tickets and wanted to bring, quote, a young girl, that's Antilla, along for the ride. Martella, Martelli, apparently in love or at the very least infatuated with Emma Gabby, then starts contacting government friends and that is what eventually puts the United States Embassy in Bucharest on alert of Emma Gabby's allegations that Emma Gabby and Antilla were being human trafficked by the Tate brothers. Martelli does this despite the fact that Gabby tries to talk him out of calling the embassy. 
So she's trying to get some attention from this guy. She's like, I'm over. I don't even want to be here. There's no way for me to leave. And then he's like, whoa, is that real? Because we should call the embassy. And then she's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't call the embassy because maybe she's not telling him the truth. Maybe she's saying this for attention and to elicit a response and to have him worried. But this guy takes the next step. These are the convert text messages between Emma Gabby and Matthew Martelli, who is also an American citizen. Emma Gabby writes, hard thing is getting out of this house. There's three other girls besides her and I. They're groomers and handlers. So from some pretty serious words. She's texting Martelli saying these are groomers and handlers. She's using the word human sex trafficking. Now you're starting to see where all of these words are coming from. Where are these allegations coming from? It is coming from a conversation between Emma Gabby and another one of her paramours, uh, uh, Matthew Martelli, who she's just reaching out to about the situation because she wants to leave the house, allegedly. She says, if they see us leave, they'll call the brothers. Then the brothers will call the airports and stop us from leaving. Okay, that doesn't just implicate Andrew Tate in human sex trafficking. That actually implicates the Romanian government in human sex trafficking. If he can call the airport, right, a public airport in Romania, and say, don't let these girls board a flight, and the Romanian authorities at the airport, the border patrol agents at the airport, won't let her board, She's not just accusing Andrew Tate of sex trafficking. She is saying that he has enough power that he is now able to invoke the Romanian government to help him entrap women at his home. Okay, so that is something that should not be missed in this conversation. Martelli says, hold on to your passport and go to the embassy of the United States. There there is a USMC security detail. Say, I am an American and I am in danger. Guy sounds actually concerned. Gabby says, I bought us ticks, that's plane tickets, for 6 or so a.m. We would leave in the middle of the night, tomorrow at 6 a.m. Martelli says, stand by, I'm going to make some calls. Obviously, he's being a good person here. He's just been told that a girl that he's interested in believes she's being humanly, human sex trafficked and the government is stopping her, is going to stop her from boarding a flight. She then instantly writes back, don't make any calls, please. I want to go to London. LOL. I can't, I can let you know how Tuesday goes. You have my location. If something happens, then we call, question mark. He says, fine, be safe. Slightest hint of danger. Gabby writes, I think I'll be able to get to London. Then I'll fly back to Florida after two weeks there. If I don't call or text on Tuesday, then something happens. But it's unlikely. In bold again. It's unlikely anything's going to happen. But don't, don't call the embassy. Don't, don't, don't do anything like that, okay? I will contact you on Tuesday. I just, I want to go to London right now. In subsequent text message exchanges, Martelli, with Martelli, Gabby makes it clear that she has no issues leaving the Tate estate and that she did not sustain any injuries. These statements collectively erode the theory that she and Antilla were being imprisoned against her will as a human trafficking victim. Emily Gabby wrote to Martelli, I don't think they're going to notice though. We're leaving in the middle of the night. He writes, good, just glad that you are unharmed. Are you injured? She said, no injuries, neither of us. That's obviously relevant because in the charges against him, they are levying physical violence. She says, no injuries, neither of us. It's been a short amount of time. Yeah, it has. It's been six days. They don't even suspect us for leaving. In the next exchange, she again repeats for a third time to Martelli that she had no issues leaving the Tate brothers' estate. She writes, I don't think I'll have trouble leaving. It's more of the girl with me. 
We have so much evidence, though. We can gather it and send it somewhere once we are away from here. Martelli writes, go to the embassy and get expedited stateside. Emma writes back, I want to go on my trip that I was promised. So I'm going to do that. LMAO. Forget being human sex traffic. I want to go to London. That's what she's saying to Martelli. By the way, it's definitely worth mentioning that Emma Gabby did, in fact, make it to London and the French Riviera immediately following her amazing rescue by the U.S. Embassy. Emma Gabby also repeats the same story that she was free to leave the Tate brothers' estate in several text messages to her parents. She wrote, I am not so concerned. Tristan doesn't really care if I leave. I don't think they care that much if we leave anyways, which is why I feel okay. So, again, relevant to the idea that she was somehow entrapped. As the conversation continues, however, Emma comes to realize the full gravity of her human trafficking allegations, and she dramatically changes her tune. As evidenced in the below exchange with Martelli, Emma Gabby becomes vindictive and gets bitter with Martelli once she realizes that he called the U.S. Embassy anyways. So she told him not to call. She first said human sex trafficking, then said, no, 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 don't call, never mind. I was just kind of saying that for your attention. He calls anyways, and now, obviously, this is a very big situation. She messages him. Did you call the embassy? Question mark. Be honest, please. Apparently, Marines are after me. That's when my mom just called on the phone screaming at me. Completely compromised my safety. Thanks. Yeah, I called Nevs and did what he said to do. Goodbye, Matt. I just wanted to go to London. Handle it on my own. I trusted you with that information. Be upset if you want, but having the U.S. government come save your ass in a position to, to, that you put yourself in? Emma, it's not just me here. Martelli, I know. Emma, you don't understand. It's only me and one other girl that wants to leave. Are they coming here now or when I leave? Martelli, this is serious. Can they take her too? Yes, that's why I'm specifically trained for this. We have protocols in place. It's my literal job, M. M. Gabby, so they aren't on the way. Then she writes, good job. Now the police are coming. Finally, she becomes fully aware of the ramification of her actions. She wants Martelli to retract the U.S. embassy call and then proceeds to accuse Martelli of orchestrating a scheme. She's now angry at the guy who made a legitimate uh, he legitimately tried to save her life here. I mean, you imagine a 21-year-old girl says, I'm being human sex traffic, and then when you get, get it going and contact the U.S. Embassy, she's now screaming at you saying, no, I wanted to go to London. I was going to have a good time in London. Martelli writes, and this is regarding Antilla, she's a human trafficking victim. She'll be entitled to protection. Emma Gabby writes, but she needs to go to London, to her family. We bought tickets. I wish I could take it back. Please, Matt, please do anything. I'll do anything to take it back. He writes back, yes, they'll evaluate, evaluate her. Emma Gabby writes back, I am so sad that you are doing this. She has family. So it just completely got out of control. She could not believe that he actually called the U.S. Embassy when she just kind of lightly said that she was being human sex trafficked. This situation obviously got out of her control because she didn't think that he would actually do it. She then goes as far as to gaslight Martelli, repeatedly psychologically abusive tactic that she has used on previous lovers into taking the blame for the situation and for even putting her in danger despite her allegations of human sex trafficking. She's angry at him for alerting the authorities about her situation. She writes to him, um, definitely not trusting anything you say. Don't know why I bothered asking. Martelli, I have no 
idea what you're talking about. Gabby, you've actually managed to put me in far more danger by doing what you did yesterday with my parents, and you won't even admit to it. That brings us to April 12, 2022, people, when the police raided the home where Gabby was residing. Police removed her from the home along with A. Antilla, separated the two women from the other females residing there at the time. Upon information and belief, none of the other women at the home were treated as victims, but they were required to endure uncomfortable conditions for hours on end. So that brings us to the case against the Tates. So from that time in April all the way through to November is when they were finally arrested, but they were arrested and they were not charged. Pardon, that was actually in December, December 29th. That was when they were actually arrested. The infamous picture of them coming out of their home in cuffs, no charges. They were held for 90 days, finally being released on March 31st as the Romanian unit investigated them for crimes. And then they were released with no charges into house arrest. And finally, as time was running up to finally charge them, we got to see what those charges were. And there were, in fact, four victims listed um, on the charges against them as an organized crime unit. Those victims were Emma, Antilla, and then also two other women that were in their house at that time. Now, I have been very clear to you guys when I sat down with Andrew Tate that these two women have spoken out repeatedly to say that they were not victims. In fact, they sat down for a longer form interview to say not only were they not victims, but during the six days that Emma and Antilla were there, they knew Emma and that she also uh, had a great time that they went shopping with her, that she was never locked down. People are saying online, some people who just cannot accept the fact that these two women are not victims, that these women are somehow being coerced to make these statements, that somehow Andrew Tate is controlling them from prison because once he was in prison... And he understood that these women who are his friends and like family to him, according to him and the women, were being were being listed as victims. He asked them to make a video and clear this up, that this is actually wrong. So people are saying, that's evidence that he's still controlling them. Guys, <laughs> why don't we actually listen to these women in their own words, describe the situation, rather than accepting that prosecutors can demand that somebody is a victim why don't you listen to the victims themselves? There would be no incentive. If, if you were actually a human sex trafficking victim, if you were actually being held against your will, and the police swoop in and they arrest your captor and he is now in prison, you now have the means to leave. Rather, these women are doubling, tripling, and quadrupling down to say that Andrew and Tristan never imprisoned them and that rather they were all manipulated and lied to by this girl, Emma, who was there for six days, okay? Take a listen to what those two individuals have to say. Jasmina and Beatrice are personal friends to the Tate brothers. Having been friends before the introduction of Emma and Aliona, the two experienced firsthand the traumatizing events that resulted from the false allegations. In an unprecedented interview, the two agreed to sit with false producers and discuss their experience. When the raid happened, um, I was out of surgery. I, was, I had a surgery a couple of days before the first raid in April last year. And I was down, Beatrice, she was cleaning the uh, first floor. Um, Aliona and Emma, they were also sitting at the table. And at the point, I remember Aliona went up and I also went up because I felt bad. The surgery was a pretty hard surgery. 
and suddenly I heard. Înainte ca perchiziția să se întâmple în casa noastră, totul era perfect. Era casa unde tu puteai numi familie, unde te simțeai bine, unde totul era perfect. There is a difference between what they said their motivation was on coming to Romania and what the actual reason. I personally think that this whole scenario, this was a scenario long before it happened. It was made long before it happened. They were talking about it and that there is proof and evidence. We have their conversations. You, you can see them online as well. You have their conversation planning this whole thing. Niciodată nu s-a pus problema ca cineva să nu aibă voie să iasă din casă sau um, să fie încuiat în cameră în cazul în care puteau să iasă și prin garaj, puteau să iasă și prin uh, grădină și ușa tot timpul era deschisă. Before it all happened, everything was normal. Everything was fine. We were living a good life. Everyone was happy. Um, And then when the whole thing started, everything came as a shock. So basically, Andrew and Tristan have always been very helpful, very kind, very good people. And they've always went out and like, oh, I can help you, I can do this for you. I, I, do you need anything? I will, I will make sure that you'll be fine. Let me help you. And what happened was that there are these two girls, everyone knows about already, uh, Moldovian, from UK and uh, this Moldovian girl, she had a lot of problems. Let's just say she was dealing with a lot. And they offered to help her through it. And that's how I met her. She was very kind and very nice at first. And then slowly, slowly she started showing some signs, some red flags. Înainte să îi cunosc pe frații, pe Andrew și pe Tristan Tate, am lucrat ca și producător de emisiuni la o mare televiziune din România. Am renunțat la a fi producător de emisiune și am început să lucrez pe social media. I first started working as a manager and as a skin therapist over in Norway where I me and some friends we kind of opened like a skincare company and it was very fun but at the point it became too much. It was very stressful and that's when I decided to go back to Romania where I focused mostly on working with social media. It's really nice being a leader and deciding having my own life, having to have being able to make my own choices of what I want to do, when I want to do it and who I want to do it with. Tot ceea ce s-a spus în uh, mediul online a fost fals. Niciodată ei nu s-au comportat în vreun mod urât sau jignitor cu cele două, respectiv Aliona și Emma. Am fost mai mult prietenă cu Aliona decât cu Emma și de fiecare dată când Aliona m-a rugat un lucru, mereu am ajutat-o. Chiar am filmări pe telefon când eu mergeam cu Aliona la mall și mergeam la restaurant și mergeam să ne cumpărăm haine. Deci de aici se poate înțelege că niciodată ele nu au fost puse în ipostaza de a fi sequestrate sau atât. Emma, I personally met her at Andrew and Tristan's uh, home. We don't live far from each other, so obviously we are like family. Every time they were coming back to Romania from traveling or business, we will meet. 
and this girl Emma was there and I met her personally and she told me how she wanted to follow her dreams and make music. <laughs> She, she was the one that told me that she asked Tristan for help. She wanted to come to Romania to do, to follow her dream, to have her own path, make her own mistakes and own choices. And I was like, oh, that, this is a cool girl, you know? And then I personally offered to help her as well. I told her, you know what, if you, if you really want this help and if you really want to follow your dream, you're new in Romania, you don't know the city, you don't know the country, you don't know anything here. Come live with me. I, I offered her, I told her, come live with me for a couple of months until you get a job, until you start doing your music and you can rent your own apartment and we, we will take it from there. But it wasn't long after that and the bad things started happening. So again, those are two victims that are listed in the indictment documents against the Tate brothers. Do those sound like victims to you? Why are we ignoring them? Why are we just pretending that you, you think that they're just being entrapped, that they're being controlled, that they are saying these things and that they have no meaning because ultimately they're human sex trafficking victims and they don't know it? Or do you believe that they're telling the truth? Do you believe that it is plausible at the very least that Emma told a story to another one of her lovers and it got out of hand in the same way that we covered extensively the Carly Russell story. Oh, issues strife with the boyfriend, pretends that she's abducted. Probably never in a million years imagined that the Secret Service and the, the Secret Service and the FBI would get involved and that it would become a nationwide search. Sometimes that happens. You tell a lie, somebody takes you seriously, and they contact the authorities. There are either two versions of the fence that these, these four girls were actually trafficked, that the girls that you just heard from are so deluded and so trafficked and so under their spell and just cannot break away from it that they're defending the people, defending the two individuals that they are being victimized by. You're talking about the most severe case of Stockholm Syndrome that has ever existed. Or a young American woman who's had a very troubled background not all of it, perhaps her fault, but at least, at the very least, some of it, likely her fault, right? So met Tristan Tate, thought she was going to live a high-flying European lifestyle, got bored, and decided that she wanted to go on a trip to London and made some allegations that spun out of control. I believe that regarding this particular case, the latter is true. That is my belief. I'm putting it out there. And I know I can't say that because look at this 10-year-old video of him talking about this. Doesn't it mean anything? In this case, it doesn't. In this particular circumstance, it doesn't. To understand what is happening in this case, you have to unpack how it all went down. And it begins and ends with this girl, Emma. So I implore you guys to look further into this case and to understand that people that are talking about this case are not talking about it necessarily because they think Andrew Tate is a pillar example of Christianity and conservatism in America. No, rather, we're keeping an even tone and recognizing that it should not be the circumstance that any person should serve time in prison for a crime that they did not commit. I also don't believe in karma crime. I don't believe that because you hate what Andrew Tate said 10 years ago, he should spend time in a Romanian cell. That's not how it works. I also want to say that, again, 
the Romanian authorities did everything right. Again, imagine that phone call from an American embassy stating that they believe that there was an American girl that was kidnapped on business flight tickets. She was kidnapped and being held against her will. You are supposed to take that seriously, right? This is Eastern Europe and you are dealing with big, bad America. They did everything right, obviously. And now they have an opportunity to continue doing everything right by informing the public of exactly what's going on. And I believe that them releasing him from house arrest is might be a sign that they are recognizing after having the time to investigate these claims that perhaps it wasn't what it first looked like, that perhaps the call from the embassy, while it came in in earnest, and that young man, Matthew, was definitely concerned for all the right reasons, that he did nothing wrong either. He might have also been defrauded in this circumstance, that upon further inspection, this does seem to be a situation that is spun out of control. So... That is why I am following this case. I remain interested in this case. And I believe that, although there is plenty that I disagree with that Andrew Tate has done and said in the past, I do not believe that he is guilty of the crimes that are being laid at his feet right now. And that's all I'm going to say about that. What if there was someone out there who kept a log of every single thing that you did every minute of the day? I think that would be pretty creepy, right? But what if I told you that's exactly what happens every time you go online? Your internet provider is allowed to store logs of every website you've ever visited and can legally sell this data to anyone. That's why I always use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN reroutes your internet connection through their secure server so that your internet provider can't see or log what you do online. Many of you might be wondering, if you're routing all of your data through a VPN, doesn't that mean the VPN can see what you're doing and log your data instead? And you're right to think that. Many VPNs claim to have a no-logs policy but have been caught logging customer activity. ExpressVPN was the first major VPN provider to engineer all of their VPN servers to run in RAM. This makes it impossible for their VPN servers to store any data, including logs of any ExpressVPN customer. ExpressVPN is so confident in their no-logs claim, they even had one of the biggest assurance firms, PricewaterhouseCoopers, audit their technology. Protect your data today at expressvpn.com slash Candice. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Candice to get three months free. Visit expressvpn.com slash Candice to learn more. Ladies and gentlemen, that is all the time that we have for today. It's been a long week. As a reminder, we have a shot in the dark that's available now on Daily Wire Plus. Should be sure to click the link in the description and subscribe right now. Also, if you haven't yet subscribed to this channel, we are almost at 2 million and we are almost just past 200 episodes and also going on one year of the podcast. I appreciate all of you guys that have subscribed thus far. It's been a really fun year. Be sure to come back on Monday. There will be a brand new episode.